it's a lot. It's more than I think ratepayers are, you know, it, it, we are concerned about it from a business perspective, but also from the perspective of all ratepayers. That was back in December. Uh, George Power Company wanted a rate request, a rate increase then going to the Public Service Commission. Uh, who was that? Charles Jones, the Georgia Association of Manufacturers, concerned about it then. And now another rate request, another request for a rate increase from the Georgia Power Company to the Georgia Public Service Commission. Get into that as we have our conversation with the PSC's Tim Eccles, who's in studio with us this morning. Got that. We got nuclear plant Vogel, big developments over there. Tim Eccles, thanks for sliding in this morning. Yeah, yeah, just to be clear that what they're asking for now is not a rate increase. It's, it, it is truing up the natural gas that we miscalculated because we weren't planning on a Ukrainian war. Uh, and so when that happened mm. and the U.S. started exporting 12% of its natural gas to bail out Europe so they wouldn't have to buy Russian gas, it impacted the price of U.S. natural gas. A lot of our plants run on it. We're going to collect that and then that will be done and we'll go back down. So it is not, this is not a rate increase. This is a true up on fuel. Right, and not to split hairs, but if I'm paying, I don't know, I'm paying $100 a month and now I'm paying as a result of this Ukrainian war and fuel costs and the rest of it, I start paying, I don't know, 150 To me, that's a rate increase. Well, not when it's going to come back down to 125 and possibly go back down to 120 We gave rebates on fuel in 15 and 16 because it was cheaper than we thought. Now it's more expensive. We true that up. There's no profit for the power company. We just basically set that back to zero on the fuel fund, and then uh, and, and then it goes back to the earlier rates. Rates, you know, rates are not impacted by this. What's on your bill is that impacted? And I know it seems like we're splitting hairs, but. Uh, but this is different than a rate increase. As I say, spend some more time on this over the course of the next few minutes. Also, developments at Vogel, and there are some, several of them, in fact. Quickly, though, and I don't want to get lost in the weeds here, a lot of legalities and moving parts here, but I ask you, because it suddenly occurred to me, you're sitting down in front of me here, and I'm, I'm, wait a minute, how are you still on the Public Service Commission? Your term ended last year. And if you'll recall last year, there was a judge's ruling that spoke to how PSC members are elected. Again, don't want to get lost in those weeds. But it has to do with the fact that you folks uh, serve statewide but represent districts. And there's some questions about the legality of that. And so we're in court. And your term expired. You weren't reelected. What are you doing here? Yeah, I get a free year. Uh, the judge <laughs> said we would be in a, quote, holdover position. And so Fitzjohnson and I just continue to serve until either the court decides or the legislature decides how they want to do this. It could bleed into next year. I'm hearing the Supreme Court may take this and use it to... Oh, so Supreme Court, you mean state Supreme Court? No, I mean, I mean U.S. US Supreme, Supreme Court. Court. Okay. And you know how long it takes oh, to get God, on yeah. their calendar. Yeah. Uh, that they may do something about counties and cities that do something similar where you have to live in a district mm -hmm. but run citywide or run countywide. That may violate the Voting Rights Act. Uh, and so... You know, the, according to attorneys, the U.S. Supreme Court may use our case to basically change policy about at-large voting. Because there had been some thought that the legislature might be able to fix this somehow. Well, we're getting into the short rows of the legislative session crossover day behind us, and I guess that isn't going to happen. No, the, the governor would have to call a special session. I know we'd all be excited about that, <laughs> to have them come back and do a special session. So it could be quite a while before... 
we're back on the ballot. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commissioner. That explains how you are still on the PSC. I don't know. You and I have been talking about nuclear plant Vogel from the first day that you were on the Public Service Commission. Uh, news that the headline I'm reading this week, and we'll start here and we can we can move from there, that they're splitting atoms now at one of the new reactors, or the two new reactors, and, and splitting atoms in at least one of them, uh, which is, of course, the, the, how everything happens. Uh, what does that mean, though? So, so let's compare this to when Sanford Stadium got LED lights. Okay. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a lot of tests that had to be run. You know, are all the lights working? Will they change colors? Will they do patterns? Uh, was everything installed properly? That's kind of what we're doing at Vogel right now. We're splitting atoms, but now we're in the low power rod control test. And then we're going to ramp it up to 25% power. And then we're going to do a remote shutdown. And then we're going to do a 10% load swing test. And then we're going to 50%. And then we're going to do a loss of offsite power. And then we're going to jump to 75%. And then we're going to do another load swing test. And then we're going to go to 90%. And then eventually 100%. And then we're going to trip the whole plant. Uh, and then we're going to do a loss of feed water heater. I mean, we're going to do all of these tests over the next 45, 60 days uh, before this thing goes into full 100% commercial operation. Oh, I understood some of that, very little, to be honest with you. If you were to give me a test, I'd, I'd probably get a failing grade. Hit the highlights there. What What is some of that stuff that you spoke of there? What are we actually doing? Well, we're, we're making sure that as we dial up the volume, if you will, mm-hmm. on the power, that everything works properly. Because remember, once we hit 100%, this plant's going to run at 100% for a year and a half without stopping. Uh, So that's the beauty of the efficiency of nuclear energy is that it's running day and night producing carbon-free power, and we just have to make sure every little thing works. And this is according to the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. We're just following their protocol and then we we will be at 100%, and then it will be in commercial operation. Where is the U.S.? You mentioned the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And this listen, this matters. It certainly matters to the people who live in some close proximity to nuclear plant Vogel. And we ain't that far away, so I suppose in some respects, the wind's just right, it would matter to us. Uh, where are we in terms of the rest of the world and, and the steps that we take to ensure that our nuclear facilities are safe? I don't know. Let's put Chernobyl and Russia way on the far end of one extreme and being maybe not un, maybe completely unsafe. Where are we on the other end of that spectrum? Well, Russia's shooting missiles at the Ukrainian side right now, <laughs> yeah. so that's not helpful. Right. So if I mean, yeah, I guess if it hit the right thing, it could put you know radioactive material in the atmosphere. I mean, I don't recommend shooting things at a nuclear power plant. Uh, in fact, if you were to take a canoe trip down the Savannah River and get out at Plant Vogel and start walking up the hill, machine gunners would meet you. Mm. Uh, we protect that plant. Well, that, I mean, in contrast to what we've seen in some of the facilities, I'm told, here in Georgia even, but certainly over in North Carolina recently, people literally shooting up uh, substations, electric substations. Yeah, and that's going to wind up being a felony in Georgia. The legislature's changing that, as it should be. You're not going to be able to do that. I mean, eventually you may see substations with block walls around it. I was talking to an expert the other day. And he said, oh, if we if we if we do block walls, you're going to have a heat issue in there, uh, and it's you're going to have to you're going to have to add some fans and other things. So it is a problem if you start blocking up those things. You that it, it those things get very hot, mm-hmm. and they need the air to cool them. 
And so things like that. And everything that you just mentioned there in terms of adding extra layers of security, whatever it takes, those things ultimately would be borne by ratepayers. Yeah, and I don't think we're gonna I don't think we're gonna be doing this. We we don't really have issues in Georgia with this. Yeah, maybe protect the substation outside of Washington DC or mm-hmm. maybe the one over by the Mercedes Benz Stadium or you know, maybe maybe there's certain things that we protect, but not routinely all of them. No, I, I, I like think the idea a, of the men with the machine guns. More of that, please. It's uh, too darn high. I'm concerned with my neighbors, senior citizens who, uh, you know, on Social Security as their sole income. As a former state senator, Vincent Ford, Democrat, Atlanta, back in December, Georgia Public Service Commission, then uh, hearing arguments from the Georgia Power Company, a request from the Georgia Power Company for a rate increase. Now, Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commissioner, in studio with us this morning, he says, screaming headlines notwithstanding. Let's go through this again quickly. It's not a rate increase in the way that we conventionally think of one. That's not what you're looking at now. Well, what? Representative or Senator Fort was talking about was a rate increase, mm-hmm. and we don't do rate increases real time. I mean, did your eggs go up, right? Did your baby diapers go up? Did your car go up fifty one percent? I mean, tell me what didn't go up? Mm-hmm. We didn't. We we did not real time pass the increase on to ratepayers because that's not how we do rates in Georgia. We do it based on the calendar. So we waited until December of last year, and then looked at everything that Georgia Power was spending. And, you know, the whole regulatory compact with them is making sure they have the money, you know, to operate. So we looked at everything and we gave them a rate increase, which they hadn't had in three years. And before that, they hadn't had one in six years. So we we just do them periodically. Yeah, rates, you know, rates are going up. And now we and this didn't catch us by surprise, we knew that the Ukrainian war was putting pressure on natural gas exports here and that we had, you know, we had planned on it being low. Uh, And frankly, it went up. Everybody that has gas in their house knows that when they went to re-up with their natural gas company, wow, this stuff's up 30 cents a therm. And that's what happened. And we got almost half of our power plants running on natural gas we're going to true that up temporarily. We don't know whether we will have that uh, that increase for 24 months or 12 months, but it, it will be temporary, and then it will go back down you know, based on natural gas prices. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. You hit me with a phrase during the break here, this so-called new grid. I'm, I'm hearing about that and reading about that. What are we talking about when we say new grid? Well, Georgia's going to be fourth in the nation in utility-scale solar next year. So it's been incredible as you go to middle Georgia and south Georgia and see all the solar that's out there. These counties like Mitchell County, Taylor County, they've done tax abatements for these big solar arrays. That's the only way to get a big solar array these days is for the county to say, you know what, you're not going to have to pay taxes on this for two years or three years. And that's what they're doing to attract them. Land's cheap down there. It's flat, a lot of substations. And so the solar's there. Now we're putting grid-tied batteries in some of those substations for reliability so that if there's a uh, an outage, that battery cuts in for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, and it keeps the power flowing. Uh, those batteries aren't good for long, but they are great to dump energy 
quickly. And that's the uh, challenge right now with solar in general. It, it's, it's not that we can't harvest energy from the sun. We can't. It's storing it. It's, it's still a battery capacity issue. Yeah, it is a battery capacity issue, but batteries have gotten cheap. Think about all the electronics and how they went down, you know, uh, that's and that's what's happened with batteries. And they're cheap enough now that we can put them in containers and pop them into a substation. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. I know the Georgia legislature is using some federal funding for this as well. Uh, looking at, at expanding, taking steps to expand the EV charging grid around the state. You're telling me you're just back from California, which is kind of ground zero for this whole thing. What you see out there and how are you going to apply it here? Yeah, they're 10 years ahead of us out there. Uh, I went to the Los Angeles you know, water and power, uh, they were, there was one floor where they had 400 electric cars and 400 chargers, 7.5 megawatts of power, powering them, plus all the employees' cars. They're doing what what California's doing that we're not doing. We're building chargers, 1Z, 2Z, 3Z here and there. When we build three, they build 40, uh, and they use a managed system, managed charging system software that say you live in an apartment complex, there are 40 chargers, people plug in, and that the the software on that, the algorithm, uh, basically you know slows charging down to not exceed a certain amount of power. But by morning, everybody's car is charged, and this managed charging is something we've got to do uh, in Georgia. California has perfected it. I'm interested in helping to bring it back to our state. We act, though, it's sometimes marketed politically, I would acknowledge, and it's almost marketed as a free lunch. And there isn't one in terms of energy. There's no such thing. California is getting that electricity from more conventional, shall we say, more conventional ways. I mean, if I'm plugging in, I'm trying to, electricity has to come from someplace. And I'm not driving around and not leaving a carbon footprint. Yeah, but they've got a, a big smog problem out there. They, their pollution's way worse than ours, and they're trying to clean their skies and it, to to get the greenhouse gases out of their sky uh, and blowing down from you know the beaches into San Bernardino Riverside area. They need to uh, they not just electrify. They, I mean, virtually every bus out there is running on CNG school buses. Transit compressed buses? natural gas. Compressed natural gas, right? So that that reduces greenhouse gases ninety percent. So California has been pretty aggressive, and they're going to continue to uh, electrify and, and use CNG and hydrogen more and more. I saw four hydrogen vehicles while I was out there. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. I've been talking about this for a while now, and others have too. And you acknowledge, you're telling me, you acknowledge there are challenges with uh, the electric vehicle industry. I know Georgia is trying to, trying to in the way that we've kind of co-opted Hollywood from Hollywood, trying to do the same thing with EVs, going to build Rivians over there in Walton County and Hyundai's down there, electric vehicles down in Effingham County or wherever it is, Bryan County down there in southeast Georgia, cranking out the batteries as fast as they can up there in commerce. Georgia is trying to corner the market on some of this stuff. There are still challenges, though. Yeah, not many. I mean, I've had an electric car for 10 years, and you can go anywhere you want in Georgia. Now, if you're going to go to Miami, you're going to go to Boston, yeah, just go rent you a car, uh, rent a car. Uh, but if you're cruising around in Georgia and Athens, I mean, we've got a lot of chargers here. We're going to get a whole lot more. Georgia Power, we approved them to do $53 million of make-ready. If you're, 
if you've got a company, if you're a Georgia Power customer and you want chargers at your place, you need to call Georgia Power and get in line because all of that transformer wires, trenching, all of that will be paid for for a limited time. But you better get in on it now because I don't know how long that money will last and if we will ever do it again. But again, environmentally now, there's no free lunch here. The the car doesn't build itself and the car can't be produced without components from things like, oh, I don't know, fossil fuels. I mean, if there's no oil, there's no electric car. We, We we. and don't even get me started on the components that go in the batteries and these toxic landfills from which we extract some of the components for those batteries. I mean, it, it's a messy process, and we're acting like uh, people are driving Teslas and they're saving the planet, and they're not. You haven't heard me say anything about saving the planet. You haven't heard me say a word about carbon. I'm saying that these cars are efficient, that the overall cost of ownership on these cars are low. I've had six of them. I know what I'm talking about here. Electric vehicles have one-third of the parts. Uh, Charging at home costs me about 75 cents to fill up. It is cheaper to use these vehicles. And if people want to save money, one of their cars should be electric. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. Now, do you like what you see in terms of what's happening? Rivian, if, if and when it happens, sounds like it will, in Morgan and Walton counties. Uh, when they announced that, the largest economic development project in Georgia history and surpassed just a few months later down there with the Hyundai. Facility. When I was in Irvine, California this week, I met with Kia executives, and they told me that because of the Georgia Kia factory over there in Troop County, that Georgia has more Kias per capita than any state in America. That's right from the Kia executives. So that theory, I think, holds for Rivian and for Hyundai that you are about to see a lot of Georgians by Rivians and Hyundais. And I think the governor's going to lead the way. He said right there at his inauguration, he wants to make Georgia the electric mobility capital of America. That's Governor Kemp. Mm. Six sentences about EVs in his inaugural address. I was giving him a standing ovation like you wouldn't believe. (laughs) Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission, and host of Energy Matters Saturday mornings here on WGAU, 8 o'clock Saturday mornings. Other stations around the state, too. What you talking about tomorrow? Well, we are talking about the pluses and minuses with EVs. There are minuses, and you've pointed them out. People should go in with their eyes open, but they also don't need to be, you know, jaded. Uh, you know, like you are, Tim. I mean, you're a little <laughs> bit jaded. Uh, and I want to help them see both the positive and negative, not just listen to cable news and make their decision based off of that. Tim Eccles, Georgia Public Service Commission. Again, Energy Matters uh, coming your way 8 o'clock tomorrow morning here on WGAU. Tim Eccles, thanks for dropping in this morning. Happy we'll to.